A few years ago, the writer Dave Eggers was on vacation in Idaho with his family. It's a trip they've made many times before. And as they were driving along the highway, Dave noticed a house. We'd be passing it for years unknowingly. It's off of Highway 75. And if you just keep going out to, toward Bellevue, you see this house on your right. And it does look a little different because you don't see a lot of sort of Queen Anne-styled, delicate, ornate, older houses in the state in general. So it does strike you as like, huh, I wonder what the deal is there. And after looking at it just as maybe, you know, just curious passers-by, I looked into the history of it and then found out the very strange story of how it was built. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, I am talking with Dave Eggers about that house in Idaho, about the family that lived in it, and how they made what is perhaps one of the strangest, slowest house moves in history. After this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Before we got any further into the conversation, there was something I really needed to ask. Dave, what is going on with you in Idaho? (laughs) I have been going there for 23 years now. And it's only more recently that I sort of started writing about it. And I love the state. It's gorgeous and totally unlike what I thought it was growing up when all you hear about is potatoes. And that's partly their fault. Their slogan is famous potatoes, which is so limiting. (laughs) And Idaho is like, I think, 70% preserved land. I think it's still vastly underrated as a place. So Dave has a thing for Idaho. Earlier this year, he published a children's book. It's called Moving the Miller's Minimore Mine Mansion. And it is set, you know where. In fact, the very first line of the book is, like all of the best stories, this takes place in Idaho. Which brings us to the story of that house, 
that Dave saw on the highway. Tell me the story of this house. Obviously, it, it goes far beyond the architecture to, to have enough to grab your interest to want to write a story inspired by it. So maybe take me back to the very beginning. Well, this is silver mining country. And the legend goes that there was a dog that was trying to root out a gopher in one of these hills. And uh, he happened upon a little stretch of uh, silver that became a very productive silver mine. I gotta say, there are a lot of stories like this. There's a famous one where a guy picks up a rock to throw it at his his mule, which is not cooperating. And he's like, the rock is heavy and it's made of silver and he makes a bajillion dollars. We did, we did an episode about this called the Tonopah Mining Camp. Anyway, regardless of the dog and the gopher, a man named Henry Miller eventually bought this mine. And he married a woman named Annie. And he wanted to build her a house that was fitting of his stature and their love. And so he built this pretty elaborate, totally out of place, three-story, 6,000-foot mansion, really. Henry, Annie, and their son lived there happily for years. And then Henry Miller died. Suddenly, Annie was left alone with a young son to raise. Henry had left her a fortune. But then a nefarious banker showed up and swindled her out of it. So Annie suddenly had to figure out how to make a living for herself and her son. And she did what any self-respecting woman of the Wild West might do. So she started raising pigs. Of course, as you do. But right as Annie pivoted to pig farming, the local town passed an ordinance that said you could not keep livestock in a residential area. Too smelly, too noisy, very nimby for the Wild West. But anyway, it meant that if Annie wanted to raise her pigs, she had to move. But she didn't want to leave this house that her husband had built her. So Annie made a decision. She wasn't going to quit pig farming, obviously. And she wasn't going to be forced out of her home. Instead, she decided she would just move her entire house. That is what she did. A team of workers, horses, and mules picked up the Victorian mansion, balanced it on a bunch of logs, and rolled the whole thing four miles down the road. All the way to the next town where they could settle the house back down in a place that would accept her and her pigs. I have a lot of questions that were raised along the way of that story. There is a part of this story that that, that really made me wonder. So she she's broke. She starts to raise pigs in the yard to make some money. That all kind of makes sense. And then she's told she can't raise pigs because of the town ordinance. And so rather than being like, oh, I'll do something else, she, she moves the whole house. It feels like a wildly kind of... Uh, ambitious, impractical answer to like, she could have just been like, well, I just won't, I'm not going to raise pigs. Uh, you know, yeah. it's quite an undertaking for, for that to be the kind of the, the lead up to it. You know, until you said that, I never thought about that part of it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course, you know, you, if you're raising pigs, I mean, uh, she must really like pigs, but I love the pluck of somebody like Annie Miller. You know, there's a little footnote that's mentioned here and there, but not in this book. Um, 
that she was also maybe making uh, moonshine uh, uh-huh. in the basement. And um, <laughs> well, when, once you've rolled your house four miles on a bunch of logs, I feel like you feel like you should be able to do whatever you want. <laughs> Raise well, pigs, I, make 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 booze. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's a point to living out in rural Idaho in the 1800s, it's to do whatever you want to do. And so to have this town say no pigs because uh, we're moving up in the world and uh, this is we're, we're gentrifying Idaho or whatever they were doing, <laughs> it is kind of outrageous. Let's talk a little bit about moving this house. So we know Annie decides whatever whatever the kind of reasons are, she says, I am going to move this house out to the edge of town where I can do what I want with it. Uh, how do they go about it? You could do this today and it would still work. It's such a simple process. So every time they re- took out some of the rock wall, they slide in one of these logs until that log is holding up that part of the house. And then they go to the next few feet, remove those stones, start sliding the log in until the house is sitting on maybe 12 or 14 massive logs and think about that each one of them has to be the same diameter right yeah because if it's if it's uneven then the whole thing doesn't work as if all this wasn't enough there's one detail that really puts the cherry on top of the whole story while they did this annie and her son lived in the house the whole time they just stayed right inside it as it rolled down the road. This was the detail I could not get over when I was talking to Dave. I mean, I think there's a single fact that makes the whole thing, like, work and and magical, which is that they lived in the house. Like, this, <laughs> this idea that they just started moving the house and were like, well, okay, that's fine. We'll just go about our business all the same. And so you just, it conjures up this image of this house rolling much faster than it was moving. I'm sure it was not going very quickly, but just, it's still, you can't help but imagine this image of this house kind of cruising along on these logs while people are are flipping eggs in a skillet inside. I don't know. It's like, just got a, a magic to it. Yeah, isn't that great? They didn't even move any of their possessions. So everything inside including very expensive (laughs) chandeliers. There's beautiful um, stained glass windows that are still in the house today. Um, There are all these flourishes and beautiful touches that were rare for the area. But, you know, that's what I love about it. It's like actually the most practical thing to do was to stay in the house, even though it seems like the most lunatic thing to do was to stay in the house. And that kind of dovetailing I love, where the strangest idea is actually the most logical idea. And just so I'm clear and understand, it was horses pulling the house. Yeah, horses or mules, they okay. say. It, I was not able to interview any of the horses or <laughs> mules or any oh, of the descendants poor, of them. Poor journalism, Dave. I know. So about how long-ish did it take to move the house? About a month is what we know. I mean, it was four miles. So let's extrapolate how many feet. Let's that figure was. out. Let's figure out how far they were moving the house. Okay, four miles, twelve thousand feet or so. What is that? Thirteen thousand. Yeah. yeah, I got uh, a calculator. Brain. All right, okay. fifth times four uh, divide. Okay, so it's like twenty-one thousand feet. Divide thirty. 
They're moving it. Yeah, about 700 feet a day ish. Yeah. I mean, averaged. I, yeah. I love it. That was, <laughs> I mean, think about that. It's really, <laughs> really not far. Yeah. I mean, 700 feet. What is that? Like two football fields? Yeah. 300 feet or so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, two football fields a day. So we're talking a glacial pace. You would barely even register the movement if you're inside, <laughs> yeah. right? Gentle, very gentle vibration maybe occasionally as it like yeah. moved from log to log. Yeah. And someone had to like run up in front and grab the log and then like bring it back around, like run run up in the back rather and grab the logs from behind. Well, a presumably. whole team, right? right? And then they have to turn that log. Yeah. And then drag it, you know, all, all the way to the front again and then turn it again. So you're talking about, I would bet, 10 men. and uh, Actually probably and, working pretty, pretty really hard for, the, for those 700 feet each day. Yeah. What happens if you get to a hill? Like, like either way, up or down? Well, it is flat land there. Okay. There's hills left and right on that road, but that path that they took uh, was relatively unobstructed and pretty flat. And luckily, it's uh, uh, extremely flat for a very hilly state. <laughs> that is lucky, or the house would still be there in the middle of the road somewhere. There you somewhere. go. Then yeah. you have like a Fitzcarraldo situation, maybe. I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah, a whole different story. Exactly. It would be the center of a roundabout. Annie and her son and their faithful pigs lived in that house for years. And as for the house today... It's still there. If anybody wants to go, you know, 110038 State Highway 75 Bellevue, it's not open where you can pull off the road and say hello, but you can certainly see it. It's hard to miss. In our last little moment here, I guess I'd love to know sort of what you hope young readers will get from from this book. My ulterior motive truly is to try to... Uh, inspire future pig farmers as many as i could and then so <laughs> but first you must move your house yeah i do think that it's it's important that younger kids just know how limited technology was how few tools there were to do hmm. some outrageous things that were done back then i love that kind of ingenuity you know there's so many stories of that of that era where they just thought like, well, there's gotta be some way we can do this mm. if they can move these giant stones along the Nile to build the pyramids. Certainly we can move a wooden mansion four miles down the road so that Annie Miller can raise her pigs. I think that we do have to be reminded of just how much can be done with almost nothing. That was Dave Eggers. He's the author of many, many famous books, including the delightful kids' book we talked about today, Moving the Miller's Mini More Mine Mansion. I also want to say that the illustrations in this book are incredible. The illustrator, Julia Sarda, she just, every millimeter of the page is filled with delight. It is really a, a fun book. Go check it out. This episode was produced by Johanna Mayer. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. 
This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.